Content advisory. Unless fluent in blasphemy and whiskey drinking, this is not appropriate for your grandma, your college admissions counselor, or your boss. Contact Matt and Laura with questions, complaints, or general cosmic platitudes at unpackthezodiac at gmail.com. I mean, I feel I feel that creeping back up, back up. But the beauty of doing this on a podcast is we either learn or we look like assholes. <laughs> well, we probably look like assholes, right? <laughs> I'm excited for learning. <laughs> Astrology, y'all. All right. Hey, Cosmonauts. Hey, Cosmonauts. Welcome back to The Only Way to Learn Astrology. I'm Laura. This is Matt. Welcome back to Unpack the Zodiac. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm out of practice. The Only Way to Learn Astrology, <laughs> Volume 1, Basic Principles, March and McEvers. Watch us unpack. <laughs> <laughs> we are on Lesson 5, Delineating a Chart. Um, oh, this lesson hard. This lesson is very hard. I'm pulling out some champagne right now because... This one's going to involve some drinking. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers to uh, Lesson 5. Cheers to uh, Marion McEvers and um, Joan. Oh, I'm sorry. Marion March and Joan McEvers. Because honestly, the fact that they've even made this some, some somewhat palatable. I couldn't agree more. It's kind of a credit to them. Yeah, for sure. Because this is, uh, fuck, this is hard. I will say, midway through this lesson on my own, I had to keep reminding myself that I'm just learning concepts right now. Right. <clears throat> there was a big piece of me that was like, <laughs> especially when we get to the part where they're like, let's go a little deeper. <laughs> yes. And I was like, I don't know if I'm even as deep as I'm supposed to be yet. Right. Because there's that piece of you when you're learning something that feels like you're supposed to know everything mm -hmm. out of the gate. And that's not what this is about. Right. So I had to just kind of keep reminding myself that. Um, it's almost like a foreign language, right? Yes. I'm, I'm yes. trying to learn verbs right now. And I'm yes. trying to learn the vocabulary yes. and some adjectives. I'm not trying to write a whole story right. in another language right now. Right. But they do have to show you that in order right. for you to understand those pieces. I mean, this is why, like, like I, I actually, I equate it definitively with a foreign language. Because, totally. like, I think about, like, when you were in junior high or high school or college and you were taking a language course the the language course is almost always taught exclusively in that language and the yep. first few weeks that you take it you feel like you're fucking lost yep. in a wilderness because you don't understand anything and it is the fact that you're being saturated which actually does help you learn completely so yeah. we are we are entering into a saturation point and we're also entering into a collaborative point where we're starting to actually put the pieces together yes the problem that I'm realizing within chapter five is that I need to become more, I need to understand the pieces a little better. So after this, we'll, we'll have a chat and we'll see what we're going to do for the next episode. So we'll just we'll probably have some refresher episodes is what is my feeling because I feel yes. exactly the same way that you feel. Yeah, we'll, we'll put a pin in that. We can talk about that at the end. Sounds good. So we're going to start off on lesson five. So there's just a couple of things I wanted to kind of start off with. We're on page 41. So the symbols for the planet size, signs and houses are the basic letters of the astrological alphabet. 
The meanings of the signs, planets, and houses are the astrological words, and you are now going to learn to put them together to make simple astrological sentences. In learning any language, there are certain rules for constructing sentences, and you too must learn the rules for forming astrological sentences. This entire chapter is about essentially constructing a sentence based on what you see in the chart. And the thing that is the most difficult for me to really wrap my head around is that the first house is always Aries and always the sun. So even if your sun is in the fourth house in Virgo, there is an element or like, let's let, actually, I'll take that back. Let's go. Let's say that your moon is in Libra and it's in the first house. Your moon in Libra will have an Aries and a sun influence in it because it's in the first house. And so what's happening is that we're kind of layering a complication on top of it for me. It's not just, oh, I have a moon and Libra in the first house. It's actually, you have a moon and Libra in the first house and it's influenced by the sun and it's influenced by Aries, which all go into constructing this sentence. So it, it it gets a little overwhelming right away. I, I don't disagree with that at all, but I do think it's beautiful the way that these two ladies were able to put forward the idea of constructing a sentence and sort of pulling that apart even. And right. here's the elements of what that sentence is like. It's it's This is really intricate, complicated, multi-layered, multi-faceted stuff right. here. Right. And they have put it forward in a way that is digestible. It's just almost like you have to chew on it a yes. lot. <laughs> yes. So I'm actually going to be going a little bit more by the book and much less kind of off on my own diatribes like I've been doing because this is so dense and I think it's so important. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things right here I'm going to be taking directly out of it and, and then we'll probably expand a little bit, but like we're going to be sticking a lot more in order to this chapter because yeah, you have to. makes sense. She starts off by actually taking the parts, making the words, and then using the words to make the sentence. So here's her example. A sun in cancer in the first house. A keyword for the sun is in herself. So this whole thing, the entire construction of the sentence, goes back to all of the keywords that we saw in lessons one through four. I so, love this so much, by the way. Yeah. If you look at the keywords for the sun, you go through the list of all of the keywords for the sun, there are keywords you can extract from that. So a keyword for the sun is the inner self. Some keywords for cancer include devoted, maternal, domestic, and sensitive. Keywords for the first house include identity, personality, and self-expression. And finally, keywords for Aries, the natural first house sign, include dynamic and active. These keywords can be put together to make an astrological sentence. So the cancer part, the devoted maternal son, inner self, first house, will be expressed in an Aries active and dynamic way. So it took all of those keywords and put them in one place And actually developed into like a a very sensible phrase. Totally. If we think about this, I'm certain that they're finite, but they certainly seem infinite possibilities for planetary and house placement and sign placement in a chart. This language is never ending. For sure. We're, We're learning a language. 
For another example that she goes into, and I like this example a lot because she's taking the planet out of its natural house ruler. That first one had the sun in the first house, a sun in Cancer in the first house. So the sun was already in the house it was supposed to be in. Pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward. So now we're going to get into a little bit more complex places where we have a planet that's in a house, a planet that is not in the sign that is its compatriot. We have a planet that is not in the house where it's exalted, and the sign is also not in that home house. So we're dealing with a lot of different things. A moon in Gemini in the fifth house. Keywords for the moon, emotions and instincts. Keywords for Gemini, versatile and literary. Keywords for the fifth house include creativity and the love that you give. And now we go into Leo, which is the natural sign of the fifth house. Keywords for Leo are creative and generous. And the moon rules the sixth house of habits and work. So the moon is in Gemini, but the moon rules the sixth house. So we have to actually work where the moon's house is as well. Again, we're dealing with layers. where my brain explodes. (laughs) Right. It's really hard. But the nice thing is is that she developed two separate phrases. Yeah. Super helpful. Out of that knowledge. And one phrase is emotionally emotionally versatile. You give love generously are helpful and dutiful. So emotionally is the moon. Versatile is Gemini. You give love generously, the fifth house, are helpful, that's cancer, and dutiful, the sixth house. So that's one sentence. The other sentence... You are instinctive and creative in literary pursuits, the moon in the fifth house of Gemini. And if you look at these keywords, so something that I'm picking up on right away is that if keywords mesh, I think that that can be a touchstone. Mm -hmm. So if there's an overlap, Gemini is versatile and literary. Keywords for the fifth house include creativity. Leo is creative and generous. Like there's just, once you can find pinpoints and connections, mm-hmm. it starts to make the language make sense. Mm-hmm. But it's a kind of one of those things where you, as a language, this is much more difficult to learn for me because this is a language that involves thought before you put the words together. Mm-hmm. And when you're learning a language, you're supposed to get to the point where the words just fall together naturally themselves. Yeah. Well, the other thing that this makes me think too is that when you learn a language, typically there's one right way to say a thing. Maybe there's two, right. but usually there's one. And so this this particular example mm-hmm. really made me recognize how two different people equally schooled in how to read charts and right. how two, two talented astrologers, essentially, right. could say two different things. Right. They're not contradicting each other. Right. And they're both accurate. Right. And so when we go back to, there was one sentence in the first paragraph that really resonated with me too. Logic, common sense, and a knowledge of human nature will aid you in interpreting a horoscope if you have grasped the significance of these basic principles. Yes. That's a really good example, I think. Yes. Because for somebody to be able to put two different sentences together based off that same delineation. Right. I think that's key. Yes. That's also hard to learn. Yes. I think that that's actually the holistic part of the of the horoscope, mm-hmm. because I think that when you take a whole natal chart together, I think you could look at a chart and see a chart where an emotionally versatile, giving love generously, being helpful and dutiful would speak louder, or yes. your instinctive and creative and literary pursuits would speak louder. Now, the thing is, is like, let's say this person was a son in Scorpio. I would probably put them more in a you are instinctive and creative in literary pursuits. I would not put them in a you give love generously or helpful and dutiful. You know what I mean? I do. So, and again, I'm not saying that Scorpios can't be that, but I'm just saying that if I was given 
a choice of these things. In looking at a Scorpio sun, there are I could see a Scorpio being much more instinctive and creative in literary pursuits. Like, that's just something. Yeah. And then it would depend on the house placement. Right. <laughs> right. Which gets into the, all those many layers. Right. right. Again, all to say, like, this is a really rough chapter. And mm-hmm. I feel like if, for those of you that are reading along with us, and I really hope you are, because I just Me feel too. like this book yeah. is necessary. I hope you're just as lost as I am. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. It can't just be me. <laughs> right. Um, so again, I'm going to go through just the rest of this chapter kind of in order. Um, well, actually, and then I have a an assignment for us. But this assignment may be too difficult. So we'll see. Okay. Okay. I'm excited. So now let's broaden the concept. Venus and Capricorn in the ninth house. So the ninth house is Sagittarius. Capricorn is responsible and cautious. And Venus represents affections in the moral character. And the ninth house portrays philosophy and aspirations. So from this, we can deduce the individual's aspirations and philosophical approach would be presented in a responsible manner, like Capricorn, but the natural optimism of Sagittarius would broaden the usual cautious nature of Capricorn. So that's a very kind of blended way Mm -hmm. of bringing all of that together in a very positive way. Yeah. Once you understand why the house position of a planet modifies the nature of the sign in which the planet is placed, you will also understand why a planet operates differently depending on the type of house it is in. And this this was something that really helped me out. For example, a sun in Taurus, so Taurus is a fixed sign, placed in a cadent house will be more adaptable and less obstinate than a person whose sun in Taurus falls in a succeeding house. Succeeding houses are always with fixed signs. So... If you are a fixed sign and you are in a succeeding house, you kind of have a double whammy. It's like you get you get a double dose of ibuprofen, not just the one. When you think about that, you're thinking about the house placement. If the sun in Taurus was put in a cardinal sign, then you might lose some of that patient ability that that fixed sign has, and they would be more of an instigator. But they would still be just as stubborn. It's not. It's a combining those two. Mm-hmm. And then this, I, I have a couple of things starred here that I really want to draw on on page 43 in the second paragraph. Mm-hmm. We drew an analogy between the planets and the cast for a play. The cast does not change. And I boxed that because like we have something, for me, that was like, a, oh, I, oh, I have something I starting to cling to, to Yes, yeah. latch on to that. <laughs> this is math. Right. <laughs> the sun, for example, is <clears throat> always the inner personality, the heart of the horoscope and life giver. Life giver. The signs are the roles that this cast plays, and they do not change either. Mm-hmm. So the planets and the signs are always going to be the actors and the the role they play, always. Mm-hmm. However, the houses are the various settings in which the cast portray their roles, and they can and do change a lot. Mm-hmm. So essentially what happens is, is we're dealing with, if you can find a way of operationalizing it in your head where you're dealing with an actor in a role, and let's take that actor and put him in the kitchen, and then let's have him walk into the rec room. Or let's see if the rec room fucks with the kitchen at all. If the kids are playing with the bat, bat mm-hmm. like baseball bat and tossing it in the kitchen, that helped me to kind of try mm-hmm. and get a grasp on this. I just I, I wanted to draw that in, and so like yeah, I think that's very helpful. And then to go back to the houses, so like this is where you need to go back to the houses with the I, mine, we. What's Cancer's? See, I don't know the language yet because I. I need to know this. We need to have, like, I'm in a place where I don't know enough because I can't literally just call out every keyword. And this is where I'm learning that, like, I have, I need to study better. I need to study more. Yeah. So at this point, then they go into Franklin Delano Roosevelt's 
horoscope. I thought this was super fun, actually. I thought this was super fun, I mean, too. really frustrating once I delved into paragraph maybe four. Yes. <laughs> but I, I liked the idea of taking somebody who we're familiar with. <laughs> Not a modern day person. Right. Necessarily, but... Um, so no, I, I did. I liked it. So actually, so you have the uh, opposite reaction. Well, no, I, I so I, my response to this is like, I know of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I also know that another president was Teddy Roosevelt. And my history learning ain't great. So I will get them confused as to what they actually did throughout history, which is actually a good thing in a way because then I don't have a lot of judgment on. So mine's on also good. It's just different. I didn't know there was two. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm also good to go. <laughs> history, I always got a D. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So English, A. Right. So I wanted to start this next part. If we have any historians that are listening, I'm going to apologize profusely right now. But also ask for input. Yes. I mean, I would love to hear yes. thoughts on this, frankly. The, the thing is, is that, and, and see, now I'm going to make, I, I, can, I can hear historians screaming at me right now already. I know that one of the Roosevelt's was responsible for really founding a lot of the national parks and was very much a lover of nature he was also a big hunter, but he actually like helped found a lot of those and things. And the other? I don't know. This is the thing. Like, so we're dealing with, and I believe that one of them actually set up social security. Like he was hmm. the he was the founder of social security. And again. See, the problem here is I could see both of those being this chart. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try and read this as if I don't really know this person. Mm -hmm. Because I really don't, I, I really don't. I know that he was a president. And his chart does do a really good job of delineating a president. For sure, yeah. Outside of his actual actions, if any of you are Franklin historians, let us know. Let us know how, how well it fits or how well it doesn't fit. I mean, we'd love to hear it. So the first thing that, that you look at whenever you look at a chart, the first thing you look at is you look at kind of the, the layout of the chart itself. And so the, the chart is actually on page 45. But the first thing you look at is essentially like what's above the horizon, what's below the horizon, and also what's on the east side and what's on the west side, because above the horizon tends to be more outgoing, below the horizon tends to be more introverted, to the east side tends to be more active, and to the west side tends to be more things happen to me, right? Is that right? Well, I'll I'll admit um, something I need to restudy here as well. <clears throat> I believe that a, ch a chart wheel is upside down and Backwards. inverse. And so I think when I'm looking at my page, I think right. what's on the left is actually active. What's on the left is initiating. Yes. Which it, would be, so normally the left is west, but I think that's east. Right. <sighs> it gets so confusing. Right. I'm sorry, you guys, if I just fucked you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's go back to this. Okay. Okay. So it is important to see the, the chart as a whole before we take, take it apart. Roosevelt has seven planets above and three planets below the horizon. So they list above as up and below as down. Okay. Okay, so good. Okay. We, when you look at it, that's the way you read it. Thus, we may conclude that this man has many outgoing and objective qualities. Because above is outgoing and objective, Got below it. is and introverted I do love how and they intuitive. Like did the the circles with the numbers? Yes, for the above and below. Yes, it's very um, simplistic and straightforward. Yes, 
Yes. We're talking about there's a there's a cross in the very, very center of the wheel that has a little circled number. So it tells you like this. So there are seven on this side and three on this mm-hmm. side and three below and seven above, just to make it very easy to tell. Mm-hmm. And then also he also has three planets east and seven planets west. You're right that east and west are, are reversed. Okay. So north and, well, I shouldn't say north and, well, is north and south the same then? I don't know. Okay. But we go above and below the horizon line. Yep. Above and, and below. And we go east and west are reversed. Right. So actually what we could, yes. Because, um, okay. So north so, and south are also reversed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we refer to it as above and below the horizon. It's still confusing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'll figure out some way of getting around that. I will. I'll, yeah. I'll figure we're, it out. We're just, we're, we're learning. learning together. We're learning. <laughs> We're all learning here, folks. So he has three planets east and seven planets west of the meridian. Thus, we can presume that his life is bound up closely with the destiny of others. So that's kind of an external thing. Mm-hmm. And then if you refer to the blocks below the wheel in figure seven, you will see that we have sorted the planets, the ascended midheaven into the groupings that we have learned. And this you'll see actually a lot when you look at a chart where it'll take and it'll say like, oh, these planets are in fixed signs. These planets are in mutable signs. This is, these are the elements. So he's got one planet in a cardinal sign. The moon, which is a pretty big planet. And then he's got a bunch of planets in fixed signs and a few planets in mutable signs, but one of them is his ascendant. So that's actually Mm -hmm. kind of important too. He's got no fire signs, a fuckload of earth signs, quite a few air signs, and one water sign. Mm -hmm. Angular, succedent, and cadent are a little more evenly distributed, but he's got more succedent houses than anything else. Yeah. Um, and how's it? And then planets that are digni- that are dignified, are exalt or exalted or detriment. Those are also listed as well. His moon is dignified, so a moon being dignified also means it's kind of, it's it's um it's more demonstrated. Yeah, for sure. So then that makes that moon as a cardinal sign also speak much more. I think in his chart and as because, a water sign, right? Because yeah. it's dignified. Yeah. Mercury is also exalted, so that's another one. So that probably, I mean, again. I'm not going into this book, but that would automatically... Communicator. Communicator mm-hmm. and also good thinker, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then the detriment is his son and Pluto. And I forget which Roosevelt it was, but there was a Roosevelt that ended up in a wheelchair for a very long time. It was this one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you see a son in detriment, that can... For me, that means... Because the sun is very much the physical body. It's the outside part. So... Oh, sure. Having a sun in detriment would be like, okay, well, so maybe there is a physical imperity or something like Interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah. So that was just like, just looking at that. Mm-hmm. And quick, then, quick, so, I'm sorry. Quick before we move on. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure I've seen this this um, box, this, mm-hmm. this type of box layout before, but I can definitely say I've never paid attention to it. Right. Honestly. And so to have this um, sort of just positioned the way it was and then explained so simply. Yes. Um, I got really excited about this part almost more than anything else. Yes. It just, this box makes so much sense to me. It takes time to put things into this placement, of course. But once it's in here, it's kind of like, I feel like I could read this easier than a wheel, at least at this point. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's a nice way of giving you kind of a pricey of what you're looking into. This is a really, this does a really good job of essentially saying what locations and what actors and what roles speak the loudest or speak the quietest. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just kind of like, and for me, it actually helped me really understand cardinal fixed and mutable 
angular succeeding totally. and cadence. Just, yeah. just kind of just kind of open that up a little more for me. He is practical, dependable, and earthy since planets in Earth signs predominate, which we just said. Mm-hmm. He's got more planets in Earth. And then she goes, however, with four planets plus his midheaven in the air element, we must add intellectuality, the ability to comprehend abstract thinking, logic, broad-mindedness, and the ability to communicate well and to detach when necessary. These are all keywords from different air elements and mm-hmm. from that that air understanding. The lack of planets in the fire element might give pause of thought for a moment until we observe that Roosevelt has three planets in the personal houses, the first, fifth, and ninth house. And so then at this point now, because again, th- this is where we go beyond. I feel like I'm at this precipice of moving beyond being a dangerous astrologer and actually starting to understand astrology because before this i would have looked at having no fire signs as like oh well that means this stuff but no it actually doesn't at all he actually has a lot of planetary influences going on in very fiery houses so he would have a fiery temper and he would have a very energetic personality and he would be very active and dynamic in these specific roles with these specific actors. Right. And so I just, I, I feel like I'm starting to crack open and just really starting to get it to the point that uh, I don't feel legit, but I feel legitimized. Like, oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is, it's a good chapter. It's a good chapter. It's a really good chapter. Yeah. And again, I'm not, I'm going to skip forward a little bit just because I don't want to read through the whole chapter because that would be boring for you guys. But I think it's a good discussion to have. So the moon is at home or dignified in Cancer, where it is very visible. Also, we have Mercury exalted in Aquarius. So here, Mercury can express harmoniously, magnifying its virtues. And we were talking about that. We always want to look for the dignity or the exalted because those are the actors that are like, they are in the right stage and Mm -hmm. they get to play their role absolutely perfectly. Like it just, it grooves. You know, they're the barista that's actually in the coffee shop, not the barista that's trying to walk a dog. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. The sun is at home in the fifth fifth house, the natural house of Leo, ruled by the sun. When any planet is in the sign of its detriment or fall, it does not mean that the planet is not functioning well on the chart, rather that it is not as visible as it would be. So in, Ru- in Roosevelt's chart, his lunar qualities are the most visible because the moon is dignified and elevated. So his moon, which is the only cardinal sign and the only water sign, is actually one of the strongest places of his chart. So he actually expresses a lot of cancer, which is also another kind of a- access point for me because, again, my 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 bar astrology would not even acknowledge this. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even know it. Okay. I'm going to flip through to page 46, um, unless you have something to add. If you want to bring out anything, that's fine. But you're Well, d- um, just really quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> so I tried to construct my own sentence based off my own chart. Yeah. And it was before I got to this point in the chapter. Okay. So it was kind of when when they set up those initial sentences, and I was like, right. "Ooh, I I, I want to learn to speak this this language based on you know what what my placements are." Right. So what I what I found though is when I when I tried to pick out the keywords for for some of the things, I was really hunting and pecking. Right. Um, and so to your point way earlier about having that holistic view being very important and kind of what words you're selecting to construct that sentence to make that sentence make sense. Right. There's one thing on this page before we move on where it says, you know, if you look at the keywords for Aquarius in lesson one, you'll notice that we picked keywords selectively. So why didn't we use the keyword eccentric? 
Well, with five planets and the ascendant and earth signs, we eliminate that characteristic because right. eccentric has to do with like instability. I mean, right. that's a bad way to put it, but right. there's so much earth instability in this right. individual's chart. That helped me yes. kind of figure out it's not like you're hunting and pecking. You really have to look at this holistically. Right, right. You have to take it all in and and really, like, but really take it all in, which includes all of the houses, all of the planets. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, yeah, it's and a lot. And take a nap. And then <laughs> take a nap. Kidding. And then take a nap. It's hard work. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's all. Yes. So we also did not pick the keyword rebellious. With five planets and Earth, he would be much too practical right. to be rebellious. Mm-hmm. So, like, they do a good job of explaining, like, this is why we picked the words we picked. Yeah. Aquarius is ruled by Uranus. Therefore, we can say that the sun is in Aquarius is ruled by Uranus. And in Roosevelt's case, Uranus is in Virgo in his 12th house. So here's where we start piling yeah, on this things is where my to brain make the sentence. Really explodes. Right. It's, I get it. I, I get it. Like, for me, there's an element of this where, like, so people that play chess, I don't play chess, but I've played chess with people that play chess and, like, I remember playing specifically with, I'm going on, off on a diatribe, whatever. I played with a woman, Rebecca, and we were at the Hard Times Cafe, and we were talking while we were playing, and we got kind of off talking, and then we forgot whose turn it was. And she literally recounted every single move that had been made <laughs> sure. to let me know who was next. <laughs> yeah. So she knew the language of chess. Right. And because she knew the language of chess, she could recall everything very easily and that's what this is right here like we're entering into this like so aquarius is ruled by uranus sun in aquarius is ruled by uranus in roosevelt's case uranus is in virgo in his 12th house so we've got the aquarius being ruled by uranus but uranus is in virgo in his 12th house so that creates a much more complicated sentence it would it this is like being four or five moves back in a chess game or four or five moves ahead in a chess game. I'm looking at layers now. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, so the rulership will add practicality, earth, to the mental Aquarius. Coming from the 12th house, it adds hidden strength and will often work on a subconscious and intuitive level. So essentially what we're dealing with is we're trying to mesh all of them together, but also taking into account all of the other aspects of his chart to make sense of it. Right. We're not adding the, um, the rulership will add practicality. Like, it, cause Virgo is also like, they can be very cold and they can also be very like hypoallergenic. They can be hypochondriacs. And we didn't pluck any of those out. We, we, we plucked out the practicality because that matches with all of the other things that we're seeing in his chart. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. One more kind of, um, I don't know if this I don't, logic is not no practical. One more practical thing that I'd like to point out is I wish in all of the books that I've read when I'm trying to learn another language, they would refer back to like, so that just, let's just take this paragraph. Aquarius is ruled by Uranus. Um, blah, blah, blah. In parens, lesson three. Blah, blah, blah. In parens, lesson four. Right. That is so fucking helpful. Yes. <laughs> Yes. We talked about this in lesson four. And then you can page back because I yes. did this. Yes. And you can look and you can find those keywords or whatever it is exactly that they're pointing you to. They do this throughout the rest of this um, yes. lesson, actually. Yes. Which is so helpful. They they didn't have to do that. No. And it would have been way more confusing. Right. It yeah. would have been way more confusing. And having these tethers to take you back <sighs> so to the knowledge that you've learned, mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. We're, we're both fully admitting we need to study more. Yes. But that's going to help me study more. Yes. 
Absolutely. It points me to where I need to go. God, Martin McEvers, if you are still Brilliant. alive, we I want to have you on. <laughs> I seriously, I want to have you on this podcast. I would and love I want it. I just I just want to thank you for writing such And if you're not alive and book. you're still hearing us, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I have numbers here. I have one. Two, okay, so the second planet, so the first planet was the sun, the second planet is the moon, and we know that it represents emotions, instincts, moods, urges, and desires. It's in Cancer, it's exalted there. The moon is strong because it's dignified, I'm sorry, it's, it's dignified, not exalted. So some keywords we can use are sympathetic, tenacious, patriotic, a good memory, rather selfish, and somewhat touchy. It rules his 11th house, suggesting that he is social, has humanistic interests, as well as friends in high positions. So that's an Aquarius thing. With his son in progressive Aquarius and the moon ruling the 11th house, he would not be too cautious. With his ability for detachment, he would not be overly sensitive. And with his urges and emotions placed high in his 10th house, he would not be too maternal or domestic. And then see lesson two. So we're this right here, the second, like this second part, this is where it thudded in me that I don't know the alphabet well enough and I don't know the words well enough mm -hmm. to be able to do this with the liberty that they're, that they're doing with this Oh, with. God, for sure. But I also have to say that I think, while they haven't said this, I think that every astrologer, like, I'm actually starting to understand why actual astrologers charge $75 an hour for readings. Fuck yes, so am I. Because... This is... This is hard work. <laughs> this is a science. This is it, it is. It it's 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 um any astrologer that is worth their salt should be charging you at least $75 an hour if not more because that means that they're investing at least 1 to 2 hours of time literally just defining the language of your chart. Absolutely. Because I don't think I, I don't know what these folks would charge like I I actually am not schooled in real professional astrologers mm -hmm. but i would easily have after this easily have paid 300 plus yes. dollars to march and mcevers to have my chart delineated right because right. it's so complex like yes i've only been able to do so much on my own right i hope to get to the point that i can do this right on my own that would be amazing but then you go back to the beginning of this chapter and they talk about using your own kind of you know, instincts and understanding of human nature. And I, I, I mean, it's almost like finding a massage therapist. It's right. like some people are really gifted. Right. Some people are healers. Right. It's, it, it, you can only do so much with the knowledge as well. Right. right. Anyway, to your point, pretty penny should be paid for this stuff. Right. Because, it's complicated. Right. I mean, if you have someone, you know, saying, oh, I, I can do it for 20 bucks, they're a party astrologer walk away. Totally. And if you have somebody that you've heard of that's super reputable, even if they're very expensive, there's a reason. Right. Right. It's because they took your natal chart and they sat down with it for one hour, five hours, Probably eight five. hours, yeah. and literally totally. defined all of mm -hmm. these sentences to look at holistically. This it's this is not fly by the seat of your pants like mumbo jumbo. Yeah, you know this isn't party. Well, and it makes me think of I think this was in it was either in the introduction or in in lesson one where they talked about um, oh fuck I can't remember how it was phrased exactly but basically you know reading a horoscope reading something based on your sun sign it, it's total bullshit. Right. That's I mean it's basically absolute bullshit. Right. This right. is why. Right. It's impossible. Like, mm -hmm. there is no way that you could cater a horoscope to someone that way. No. With a multitude of combinations here, right. 
Um, there's not 12 personalities. Right. There's like a billion. Right. Well, and like, so like the thing is, is that like his son is in Aquarius, but his... which I've actually forgotten about because right. of all this other stuff. His son is in Aquarius. <laughs> his son is detriment. Right. You that know what I mean? Not, that is not what he presents. It is not what he presents. Mm-hmm. His cancer is dignified. Mm-hmm. His moon in cancer is dignified, and it, he presents as a cancer. When it's, I read this whole thing, I I just kept thinking, this is a man I would love to meet, actually. Yes. See, this is a, I hesitate to say good, because I don't know. But just this person has really interesting qualities that I feel like I right. probably would be drawn to. And I would love to have met this person. Right. So the first one we went through was the sun. The second one was the moon. The third one, and I, I want to start with the first sentence. Now we turn our attention to the next most revealing factor, the ascendant. The ascendant describes the outer personality, how people see you and your physical appearance. FDR's ascendant is in Virgo. That's the Earth sign. So what's interesting is that he's got all of these planets that are in Earth signs. But his his like two big ones aren't in Earth signs. He's got Aquarius and he's got cancer. cancer. Mm-hmm. But people see the Earth. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Thus people saw him as industrious, studious, methodical, factual, and a bit critical. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if you want to think about a president, that's exactly what you would want. I can totally see him representing that way, like as a very desirable characteristic. And what's curious to me is that as an Aquarius, there's been actually a lot of Aquarian presidents. Ronald Reagan was a president, uh, um, was a president, and he was also an Aquarius. And he was born on my birthday. Oh, wow. He sent me a um, letter and a signed picture of him and Nancy and a picture book of the White House with um, uh, like all of the rooms and stuff. Oh, say no to drugs. Right. I I, I sent him a letter when I was five in kindergarten saying that we have the same birthday. And he wrote me a letter saying, I'm I'm very delighted to hear that you and I share the same birthday. And uh, and then some bullshit about patriotic stuff. And like I gave zero fucks about it, but I, I like the fact that I got a book and Apparently also I got something. You don't from... have cancer in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So anyways, so that's the third quality. And then but the thing is, so we're dealing with the ascendant, and the ascendant for me is actually a little even more wonky because it doesn't have a planet. Oh. So the the planet is the actor, the sign is the role they play. And the house is where they're located. So who is the Ascendant's actor? That's a really interesting question. I've never thought of that before because we position the sun and the moon as planets. Right. Which are not planets. Right. But I've never thought of the Ascendant. What is the Ascendant? I mean, I know what the Ascendant is. It's based on the you know exact time that you were born. Right. What does that mean? Though? Well, maybe it's like a holy trinity. Like maybe the sun is God and Jesus is the moon and the Holy Spirit is um, Mary, the ascendant. Mary's Mary's somewhere in there. <laughs> I'm offending a lot of Christians right I now. And I don't care. Just thinking that, like Mary's divine vagina. <laughs> <laughs> cut it out. Cut, cut that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. It, but the thing is, is that wait, but his ascendant is in Virgo, and actually, Virgin Mary would make sense. That's there. true. That was not my fault. That came straight from the collective consciousness of all astrologers. 
Okay, derailed. Come back. So, but the thing that I will say is like, so like when we went through that chapter on the planets, we were given all of these keywords for the planets and we are lacking, we're lacking all of that for the Ascendant. The only thing we're given is here actually. And it's, it's that it's this external kind of outer shell expression. So um, I do want to sidebar for a second. We've done this in a previous episode. So cut this if you, if you don't like this, but I've heard from astrologers that the ascendant is kind of what you grow into as you age. Okay. Have you heard that? Maybe. Sort of like the sun is what you're born into and how you present. The moon is kind of that emotional inner quality that you don't Mm -hmm. always show to the external world. And the, the ascendant is kind of like how you evolve as you grow. Okay. On the planet. I think, I think I have heard something like that actually before. So like, but I've not read that in here. No, I haven't read that. That might be bullshit. It might be bullshit. And also I will say that as you know, I'm, I'm ascendant fucked up because I spent all of my life thinking that I was a Pisces rising and I'm actually a Libra rising. Mm -hmm. I have like zero degrees of Libra rising and I had 29 degrees of Pisces rising my whole life. As a result, like I spent all my time thinking I was a Pisces rising. And so I would imbibe these things and kind of view them in a very different lens. And it makes so much more sense to me that it's Libra rising. Me too. Honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah, me too. So it like, so I want to go into this ascendant bit a little bit because we've never done this before. Like this is really kind of the first mention, not the first, but like this is one of the more integral parts of actually going into the ascendant. The ascendant describes the outer personality, how people see you in your physical appearance. FDR's ascendant is Virgo. Thus people saw him as industrious, studious, methodical, factual, and a bit critical. Lesson two. Virgo's ruler, Mercury, is in Aquarius. So his Mercury is in Aquarius. Thus, we realize that this Virgo ascendant will be more humane and less petty, more scientific and less skeptical than the average person who has Virgo rising. With, this helped me a lot. Yes. What I'm learning is that the ascendant is actually less about the actor. The ascendant is almost like taking the entire acting troupe. Like the director? Maybe. I was thinking the Ascendant was more like the personality of the entire acting troupe. Like how everyone, I don't know. No, no, keep going. People would trust a person who projects these qualities. They would feel he was reliable with Mercury placed in the sixth house. So what happened is, is that his Virgo Ascendant then goes to the planet that rules it. And then it goes to the house where that planet is living, the location. So with Mercury placed in the sixth house, the house of work and service, we could say he has a natural ability and desire to work and serve others. So maybe actually what we should say the ascendant is is actually the understudy. That makes sense. Yeah, that resonates. So Mm -hmm. the ascendant is essentially the understudy to Mercury in the sixth house and Virgo. So the understudy of, because the the planets are the actors, Mm -hmm. the signs of the roles they play. The ascendant is an understudy to Mercury and the role he's playing is Virgo. That makes sense because it's it's the basically the third most revealing mm-hmm. factor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. Okay, that works. Yeah. Okay, so let me move on to planet four, Mercury. Mercury is a, mer- a very important factor for understanding human nature. Mercury represents the reasoning ability, the avenue of expression, the intellect, and basic awareness. So this is all lesson three. His Mercury is exalted in Aquarius. So he's got a few things in Aquarius. And that actually makes sense when it comes down to politics and sociability because Aquarians are 
their their love received, which would be a very popular item, but also they are very much humanitarians, revolutionaries, and rabble rousers, but also community gatherers. Like their natural place in the house, their natural house is the 11th house, and that's the dining room. That's where you get everybody together, and that's where you have your community meetings, and that's where you get fired up to yes, go do, do, yeah. do causes. The fact that he's got so many planets in Aquarius yeah. and so many important planets in yeah. Aquarius, it, it, it demonstrates that presidential quality as yes. well. I'm not saying that Aquarians are presidential, but I'm just saying that like if you look From at the it humanitarian way, perspective, specifically with FDR. Yeah. Absolutely. The fact that Mercury's in Aquarius, it's in the sixth house, the ruler of Aquarius, the planet Uranus is in Virgo in the twelfth house. So now we're dealing with that layer. His Mercury is in the 6th house in Aquarius, but the ruler of Aquarius, Uranus, is in Virgo in the 12th house. So we have to essentially layer a bit of Virgo and 12th house on top of his thinking as an Aquarius. This logical humanitarian mm. ability also has a little bit of practicality. And this is a common theme in his chart. Yes. Now we're learning. Yes, yes. Thus his reasoning ability shows independence, progressiveness, logic, and intellectuality. And then we get to the quiz. And this is where I have all my papers Okay, written up. Let's talk about it. So by now you should have got an idea of what delineating a horoscope is all about. To test your ability, try to interpret the planets Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn using the same techniques we have just explained. When you've completed your interpretation, turn to the appendix to see how well you did. I don't know how this will work. This may end up being very long bouts of silence while we're trying to think about things with the Jeopardy tune playing. If we can get through one planet, I'm good. So oh, you want to do this right now? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. I thought you had something written down that was different. No, I no, it's 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 the quiz. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. But I have I have cards to help us. So I wrote down all of the keywords, all of the things. <laughs> For all of the things that are related to this, because I wanted, because because we needed to have it like like like. So if we just look, we're just gonna look at Venus, okay? Okay. We're just gonna look at Venus. Okay. So right now we're on page forty-five, and yep. if we find Venus, are you on page forty-five? That's where his chart is. I am now. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be like, no, but wait, two seventy-eight has the answers. <laughs> so his Venus is in Aquarius. Yes. In the fifth house. Yes. The first thing that I remember about Venus is that Venus and Libra are partners. Venus and Libra are partners in the seventh house. But I believe that Venus has dual rulership, right? Isn't Venus also something else? Like Taurus or something? It's Taurus. Mm -hmm. So Venus is also Taurus in the second house. So those are two things that I have. So right now I have Mars, Jupiter, Libra. Here's Venus, here's the fifth house, and here's Libra. Now, what I should have written down was the seventh house, because Libra was the seventh house and I didn't. The seventh house is the house of marriage and partnership, if I can recall correctly. So, again, I'm trying to recall this stuff. So, I feel like this might be too hard, but I want I just, I want to see if we can figure out Venus. If we don't figure out anything else, that's fine. Okay. But I, I, want, I want to try. You're mostly on your own here because I'm not recalling any of what you're recalling. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. For sure. That's cool. Okay. Venus is in the fifth house. And the fifth house is, so we've got Gemini, Cancer, Leo. Leo is love received. It's also creative and it's also expressive and it's drama. 
Aquarius. Okay. Did I, I wrote down Aquarius somewhere. I know I did because Saturn, Taurus, Taurus, eighth house, Jupiter, Saturn. I, did I not write down Aquarius? I, that's something I totally would do. Capricorn, Mars. I didn't write down Aquarius. I'm an ass. Aquarius is keywords. I'm flipping back to page 16. It's a fixed sign, which is actually, he's got a lot of fixed signs charts, so it's stubborn. So a Venus in Aquarius, um, independent, inventive, tolerant, individualistic, progressive, unique, scientific, logical, humane, intellectual, altruistic. So I think we could toss out unique if you look at the rest of his chart. Characteristics also unpredictable, temperamental, bored by detail, cold, too fixed in opinions, eccentric, radical, and personal rebellious. We could toss out a lot of those negative ones. I think we could probably keep cold or too fixed in opinions in there, especially because he's got all of these fixed signs in his chart. Independent doesn't necessarily seem to work well with Venus. So if we think about Venus, because like Venus is a planet of, of, of love. And socializing. And socializing. Mm -hmm. And Aquarius is a very social kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I think that if we were looking at a Venus in Aquarius, looking at the humane, the intellectual, the progressive, the altruistic, altruistic, those seem to be a lot of like keywords that I would pull out from Aquarius with Venus. Agreed. Within that, because it's in the fifth house, which is Leo, we would want to look at some the, the Leo characteristics which are the creative, dramatic, optimistic, idealistic, proud, ambitious, creative, dignified, romantic, self-assured, generous. I think that we could work some romanticism in there, some drama, some optimism, some idealism in there. Fifth house, Leo, Venus, Aquarius. I think we've got most of it. Mm -hmm. So with that, then, if we were to try and make a sentence out of that, we could say that because Venus is his sociability. Venus also says like what he likes to do or what he loves to do. Mm hmm. I don't remember exactly. And values. Yeah. Social urge, sense of value. Keyword is affection. Love, sensuality, art, culture, possessions, partners, charms, sentimentality, harmony. Fifth house, house of life, keyword creativity. That's the rec room, the studio, or the gym. Children, artistic expression, literary, artistic ability. We have Aquarius in the fifth house. So we have this very humane, altruistic, but also very intellectual person in a very literary and dramatic house. I bet he was kind of slutty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being serious. <laughs> Maybe. There's not a lot of other drama aspects to his chart. So I think the one big Leo thing I would pull out from that fifth house placement is love affairs. Love affairs or perhaps just a very expressive romantic. Yeah. Yep. That would be the other side of the coin, yeah. I mean, he could be mm -hmm. a, a very devoted, expressive romantic. Hey, sluts can be romantic, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? This I is digress. Too this, this, this is too hard. We So, here, 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 here. This is what we've learned today. Cosmonauts. We have learned that we desperately need to learn the alphabet and the words more thoroughly to be able to truly delve into this book. I agree. Chapter five, because it, it, it is actually kind of like chapter five is kind of like the midterm. <laughs> yes. And we have learned that even though we've been studying this whole time, we haven't mm, been studying enough. Right. Yeah. 
So what I propose mm-hmm. is that our next episode is not going to be on chapter six. I do not feel comfortable moving on. I don't either. Just yet. I don't either. I'm excited to move on. I did look forward a little bit. Right. However, I'd almost I'd almost be comfortable spending two more episodes before getting there. Yes. I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. Well, and here's the here's the thing. So I, I'm going to move this back to the metaphor that we had before of learning a foreign language. Yeah. There is an element of learning a foreign language where you feel like you're being pushed into spaces where you're uncomfortable. Yeah. And it is through that discomfort that you actually do learn. Yeah. But learning a foreign language also involves a lot of homework. Mm-hmm. And I'll be very and honest. Foundation. You and have foundation. You have to get the foundation right. And I'll be honest. If I knew that this was learning a foreign language – the amount of work I put into studying this would have been greater than what I've put into it. I agree. So what we're going to do is for one episode, possibly two, but no more than two. Because yep. we need to – being uncomfortable is okay. Yeah, I but, agree. But we two, just, is, two is max. But we're going to take the next one to two episodes to literally just kind of go over again. Mm-hmm. Go over all of the keywords, all of the the the, the planets – and the houses, and just try and take them out of the book and into a language for us we to understand. We want to be able to speak the language right. with each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And with you guys. Right. So um, with that, Cosmonauts, for those of you that feel like you have it all, feel free to skip forward through the next couple of podcasts. But I'd really like it if you joined us anyways Me to too. at least like to let us know where we're wrong or maybe Me too. if and you guys if you guys have figured out some mnemonics send that to us please or some study devices that have really helped you access something so that you can remember keywords or that you can really send that just let us know because i would find that super helpful right right that was chapter five and it's very kind of <sighs> messy and chaotic way i apologize if it wasn't very clear but honestly we're, we're learning we're learning we're learning yeah. it's like good lesson though it was a very good yeah. lesson absolutely thanks for hanging in there with yeah us. thank you very much um keep your eyes on the stars guys bye bye that was really really good you think so i think so i feel like i feel like i was <clears throat> sticking to the book too much no you have to with that one yeah and i took us off track a lot so well so did i okay 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 <laughs> Polished. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Polished turds. (laughs) Okay. Know what's true.